Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining us, and welcome to the Yield Mastermind Talks podcast. With your host, Philip Randazzo. Happy Monday, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to the Yield Mastermind Talks podcast. This is your host, Philip Randazzo, and I am so excited. Mondays are my favorite day of the week by far, which is contrary to how most people live, but that's why we put these exclusive one-on-one interviews out every other or every single Monday so that you guys can start your week off with a bang, get some knowledge, get some insight, get some wisdom, experience, all that good stuff from people who have achieved success at a very high level and are still young and are still trucking, still making waves in their areas. And guys, today I have a very awesome One of my favorite interviews to date to release, and that is my interview with Mr. Houston Kraft. I'm going to get into his bio here. So guys, Houston Kraft is a professional speaker, leadership consultant, and kindness advocate. He has spoken to nearly half a million students, staff, and parents across the country through nearly 400 events, sharing his message of compassion, character, leadership, and love. He is the creator of the Choose Love Movement and Character Strong, an app and curriculum that focuses on habit development for your heart. When he isn't speaking, he's traveling the world with his wife, Harley, or playing a fierce game of laser tag. And guys, Houston is just one of those people who... Once you talk to him, he's just he's got such an infectious attitude and you just you totally vibe off his energy and you guys will no doubt experience that as you listen to the interview that I have set up for you today. And you know, in the interview, I, I give you some information from Houston's site. Uh, I think I mentioned that he spoke at 240 schools. I mean, now that's over 400. He's spoken to nearly half a million students, teachers, and parents, guys. Let that number sink in. Half a million. And his app, Character Strong, is a fantastic app that you can use every single day. And like he said, just to strengthen your heart. And I think it's such an incredible concept. Houston is a guy who's going after some big, audacious goals. But guess what? He's doing it one person at a time, one school at a time, one event at a time. And I'm so jazzed to bring you guys this interview. So without further ado, here is my interview with Mr. Houston Kraft after a quick word from our sponsors. Today's episode is sponsored by Rocket Fuel 101. Now guys, if you're looking for a book that's going to help give you a framework to succeed, to reach your goals, to accomplish those things you've always wanted to accomplish, to take that leap of faith, maybe get you out of your comfort zone a little bit, you know, you might be a person that isn't quite sold on personal development books, self-help books, maybe you're a young person who doesn't feel like the books relate to you, you could be any age, Rocket Fuel 101 is a six-step process that's going to propel you towards your goals and stop you from drifting through life. This is one of those books that's going to provide you with a framework. This six-step process is going to help you figure out your passions, pick a trajectory, you know, launch your mission, go ahead, set those goals, go 100% at it. If you're going to bring people along with you, you're going to find a mastermind network. There's so many things that this book is going to give you. You do not want to miss out 
on getting a copy for yourself. And in sponsoring the show, Rocket Fuel 101 is going to give you 15% off any and all purchases of books, whether it be the hard copy or ebook. All you have to do is go to the Rocket Fuel 101 numbers, Rocket Fuel 101 book.com. Again, that's the rocket fuel 101 book.com. And when you're at the checkout, type in the promo code podcast. That's promo code podcast. You are going to receive 15% off your purchase. And this is something, it's not a one-time deal. You will get this no matter how many purchases you make. All right. So here's what I want you guys to do in this order. Go to the rocket fuel 101 book.com. Get yourself, your friends, your family, whoever you want, get them a copy of the book, enter promo code podcast, and start reading. You guys don't want to miss out on this. All right. Hello, Yield Mastermind Talks podcast. This is your host, Philip Randazzo. And guys, today we have another special exclusive interview, and I am here with Mr. Houston Craft. Houston, how's it going? Today is a good day, my friend. Fantastic, fantastic. And so we're, guys, just so you know, Houston and I have just become acquainted, but uh, I can tell you what, I've, from the little research I've done, we can tell he's making a huge impact and I'm super excited to dissect in this interview. So Houston, are you ready? I'm ready to go. Fantastic. Awesome. All right, cool. So, you know, for myself and, and for those listeners out there who aren't really familiar with all that you've done, if you wouldn't mind just kind of giving us a quick rundown of everything that you've kind of been through in your life, just kind of the bullet points that's brought you to where you are today. <laughs> the life bullet points. The life bullet points. Yeah. Um, born over in, in Maine, um, Portland, Maine, which is not a town everyone visits frequently, but a cool <laughs> place. Um, moved to Seattle when I was about four and um, you know, thought I wanted to do acting when I was a young kid and uh, auditioned for Oliver. And uh, they you know, fully rejected me. Um, <laughs> so I uh, went on to pursue other things like sports, which I was um, moderately good at. Broke my ankle my freshman year of high school. Oh, no. Got back into theater. Um, my teacher offered me uh, an audition for the musical. And I told her, I, I can't sing. She said, it's okay. There's, there's a part. It's the mute king. <laughs> so she, she promised me I wouldn't have to sing. The audition, and then I show up, and she duped me. I had to sing oh, "Happy man. Birthday" in front of everyone, <laughs> and it was the most off-key version of "Happy Birthday" that has been sung to date. Um, but I joined, you know, I got involved in theater in high school, and really fell in love with it. Um, first of all, I loved I loved being watched by a lot of people. I liked the attention of it. But after uh, doing it enough, I sort of really I grew to love the, you know, the the, the capacity that theater has to tell powerful stories, and um, and to create something that you share with the audience. Um, and so I got into college and I, you know, in high school, I was also involved in like leadership type stuff, um, student government and that sort of thing, student body president. And uh, so those are kind of my two passions, right? Going into college. And uh, so I thought, you know, theater might not be practical for life. That's how you're kind of programmed to think sometimes. What's going to be practical? What's logical? <laughs> so I was like, but like, so what's leadership? What can I do in leadership? And I was like, you know what? You know, politics, that's real life leadership. Took a, uh, Took a political science class my freshman year, and I was like, this is a terrible idea. <laughs> what am I doing? Uh, the pace of it, the, the idea of bureaucracy just drove me crazy. And so, you know, that, the vision of being an actor was, a, was back on my radar, back, you know, a thought for me. And um, so I started to uh, really pursue 
pursue that, went to Hollywood um, and tried to uh, be an actor down there. I worked on a movie with Lindsay Lohan. Wow. Then, uh, yeah, that, that changed my tune a bit um, <laughs> in terms of just sort of the culture that kind of surrounds Hollywood and what that, what that, uh, what that does to people sometimes. And um, so I went back to school and I was like kind of confused as to uh, what, I, what I should be doing. Um, ended up uh, ended up falling into a organization my junior year of college. I took the year off and I worked for a company that did mentorship programs in schools. So my whole job was flying around the country, um, working with kids, telling stories, doing hands-on activities, and basically, you know, giving them tools to be positive role models and quality facilitators for incoming freshmen or incoming sixth graders. Um, it's a great program, and I fell in love with working with kids. And I felt like I still had kind of that sense of like being on stage and telling stories and connecting with people. So I went back to college, uh, connected with a guy who, who does speaking, you know, professional speaking as a, as a job. And, um, and I reached out to him and I said, you know, this is, how does this whole thing work? And uh, we sat down after I graduated and he kind of gave me a shot and was a, a mentor for me for that first year. And now this is what I do. So those are all the bullet points leading up to this, which is now I'm a full-time, I talk for a living, which is so that, strange. That is but awesome. I travel, yeah, I travel all over the country working in high schools and middle schools, sometimes colleges, sometimes corporations. And uh, I, I talk about kindness and compassion and love. Um, and that's my work. I get to be on a stage. I get to perform. But I get to do it with, uh, with a purpose that's important to me. That is fantastic. I mean, wow, what a... Uh... That's that is the definition of the dream job right there. I mean, to to do what you love, be on stage, and, and get to speak for a living. I'd like that job. <laughs> but Sounds fa- like that's part of what your job is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess uh, to an extent it is. I don't know about on that that big of a level just yet, but we're <laughs> we're working that way. Uh, but that's incredible, though. I mean, and and I I think it's funny because you hit on something in your story that I think a lot of people deal with and think about when they're looking at career paths, and you you know. We all have that that logic in the back of our mind that says, well, is this something that I can pursue? Like, does it make logical sense? Is there money in this? Does the title make sense to, you know, is it something that I can tell people that I'm doing and feel good about it? And, uh, you know, these things like speaker, actor, these these grandiose ideas, it's all these people's dreams, but they, I feel like in, and in my studies, they give it up just because it doesn't make practical, logical sense and the people they have around them aren't really backing them. Um, so... I guess let, let's start at the beginning there. So, you know, you, you're doing acting, and, um, and I loved your story about, you know, the, the getting duped into to singing Happy Birthday. Um, but what was it like the first time you got on stage? It was fun, man. We, we, the, the show was Once Upon a Mattress, and I was a freshman in high school. <laughs> so already, you know, struggling with some, some interesting forces at work there. Um, and the, the whole, the whole show is, you know, it's sort of a, a parody on the princess and the pea. And, uh, I was the mute King. And one of my whole, my whole solo was I had to mime the birds and the bees to my daughter. <laughs> and, uh, so, I mean, the whole, the whole premise was hilarious. And I, I loved, um, I loved the physicalization of it. I loved making people laugh. And, um, you know, any, any great show tells, tells a beautiful story and, you know, whether it's ridiculous or hilarious or whether it's profound and, and tragic, ultimately, you know, when you do it right, you tell a story that connects with um, people in the audience and what their stories are. Um, and I really, uh, really have loved that about theater ever since I, ever since I got into it. Was it's like what a cool way, what a cool way to spend your time is like you know telling telling meaningful stories. 
Um, so the first time I got on stage, I was just like, this is, uh, it's addicting, you know? It's addicting to, uh, to connect with people on that, on that level. Yeah, and I was just going to say, I mean, there has to be some aspect to that because you have continued and now that's, that's what you do for a living. <laughs> but that's, I mean, that's awesome. Just goes to show that when you put yourself out there, you know, had uh, that person not convinced you to go at least, you know, try out or whatever it was for that show, I mean, who knows what, uh, what life would be like now if you hadn't been, been forced to get up on stage. And so... I'd be a bad soccer player. So. <laughs> and I, actually, I was just going to ask you what sports you played <laughs> because sports were a big part of... Uh, of, of school for me and I continued into college, but, you know, I think it's interesting and I'm sure you see this a lot because you speak in high schools and, you know, sports and, and I think the, the image that people have of themselves as far as what they do within the high school plays a huge part in, uh, in how you grow in school. And so, you know, did you associate as the, the athlete or, or as the, you know, the actor or theater person, what was your association while you were in school? That's a good question. I've, um, I've always sort of been an outlier in that sense. <laughs> I, and I and I I'm not a hundred percent sure why. I was an only child growing up. I guess I guess I still am. Um and I uh I don't know, I always just try to find like a place in a lot of different communities. So um I played competitive soccer for a long time and I really liked soccer and, and then I got in the theater community and then I got you know, I was involved in speech and debate, involved in leadership. Um and so I I, I tried my hand at a lot of things partially because you're trying to figure out what, what makes the most sense for you, but also because, um, because I like being a part of a lot of communities. I find, I find they all bring value in a lot of different ways. I was the same way in college. You know, I, I got involved in as many things as I could because you know, I've always kind of um, lived under the belief that people teach you more than any, anything else. And so uh, you know, that's what makes your, your show cool or interesting. And what, what you do interesting is because there's there's so much power in in spending time around people that you don't know and and uh learning about who they are and why they are who they are and why they care about the things that they care about so i don't know i was never and i was i was everything and sometimes that made me nothing too which was complicated (laughs) you know sometimes it's lonely because you don't you're not fully in one group but um but but i love the fact that i gotta gotta try a little bit of everything yeah, no, that's that's awesome. And for for someone listening right now um, who maybe struggles with with getting involved or, or you know kind of stepping out of their comfort zone, and you know one of the things that that we talk about in the Yield Mastermind Group is you know there's no growth when you're in your comfort zone. It's once you step out of those boundaries that you see the most growth. So for somebody listening who you know maybe is someone who likes to stay in their comfort zone, doesn't intermingle with a bunch of different groups, what would you tell them as far as just helping them get out of their comfort zone? Do you have any tips or tools that that you used or that you help teach? people to use to get people out of their comfort zones uh you might i love that i what you guys kind of your mindset is is a, is a great one it's a challenging one but my my friend um tyler he's my speaking mentor and 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 good friend he uh he says that a commitment to growth is a commitment to pain mm. meaning anytime we want to get better at anything it's going to require us to do something that's challenging and the way that i put that with kids it's like if i if i show up to the gym and i only lift weights that are easy I, I don't I don't grow very much, right? There's no there's no development there unless I'm willing to commit to doing things that are strange or unusual or uncomfortable to me. Then I'm never gonna I'm never gonna grow. I'm never gonna get better. Um, and so, you know, the life is. If you only think about what's practical or or easy or comfortable, then life gets pretty boring pretty quickly. Oh yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. There's, or you know, we're always so much more worried about how people are going to react to us than than what the reality is. 
<laughs> I watched a, a TED talk recently that I love because I talk a lot about fear with what I do, especially young, young people, but I think fear plays a big role in all of our lives. Um, but there was a great TED talk where the woman said that uh, fear is a false story we tell ourselves. Man, that's, that is perfect. Yeah, so it's like how do we how do we start to convince ourselves to you know how do we tell ourselves new stories basically, and uh, I think the only way to to reshape our stories by being willing to to take control of how we write it you know and that and sometimes that means diving into situations that are intentionally unpleasant. Yeah, uh, man, that's that, how we go. yeah, it's, and that's that's exactly spot on, and you can't you you have to put yourself in those situations for growth to happen and. So you, you hit on something when you, when you were talking there about how you, you have a speaking mentor. And I find, you know, I have a mentor myself, and I think mentors are invaluable for anybody who's looking to grow. I mean, if, if, if you can find someone who's doing something that you want to do at, at, at a level that you want to do it at, you got to go emulate them and learn how they did it. I think that's, that's critical to a lot of my success, and I'm sure a lot of other people's success. So how did you go about getting your first mentor, and, uh, and what was that experience like for you? Um, yeah, I mean, right totally, um, totally critical in terms of like <laughs> having people in your life who, who know more things than you, which are, you know, most people and being willing <laughs> to ask, 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 asking for help and asking, asking questions. And probably one of the best compliments that I was ever given by my friend, Tyler. Um, you know, he's, he has a lot of people who are interested in having as a mentor because he's one of the most successful youth speakers of all time. He's been doing it for 25 plus years. He's spoken over 4 million people across the country. And, wow. um, you know, one of the best compliments he gave me pretty early on was that I, uh, I was, I was willing to take advice that right? <laughs> I was actually, not only was I willing to ask the question, but I was willing to listen to the answer, which is where some people I think have a problem because sometimes we, we get, uh, we get, we convince ourselves of our own, um, intelligence or, or, or that we have the best ideas even when it's not in our best interest. So for me, I, you know, I, was, I was lucky in a lot of ways because I got connected to Tyler um, my senior year of college, uh, the guy at the Career Planning Center, which it seems like sometimes that never really pans out, especially yeah. with like I sort of have an eccentric group of interests. But um, you know, I went to him and I said, hey, I want to do the acting thing. Um, but now I want to talk about like love. I want to talk about leadership, like any ideas. And, um, him and Tyler happened to be good friends from, from years ago when they both lived in, in California. And, uh, I put in a call to, well, first of all, I went to Tyler's website and I was like, this guy is goofy and cheesy. <laughs> like the, even just like the website looked like kind of like old school yeah. and I've, I've made fun of him since then. Um, <laughs> but I ended up dropping him an email and didn't hear back from him for like, you know, many months. And so I just kind of kept going about my thing. And, um, end of my spring break of my senior year, I get a phone call from him and we talked for like an hour and he basically just sort of, uh, he vetted me a little bit. He was like asking me questions about what I believed in. You know, he wanted to know if I was legit, not just because yeah. I wanted to be the speaker, but like, you know, where does it come from? Where's the passion and why do I care about it? And, um, and, and ultimately, why should he invest his time in you? <laughs> sure, yeah, yeah, and a huge sacrifice that was for the first year. So after I graduated college, um, I, I basically booked a plane ticket right away to go down to California and, and visit with him. And uh, the best best investment I could have ever made at the time was I we sat down for about a day and a half. We walked on the beach. We talked. I showed him some videos of me working with kids and speaking. And um, you know, he was he was just. He, 
optimistic and encouraging. And even that first day sat down was like, think about this, think about this, do this, change this. What if you did this? How about this approach? What, have you ever thought about it this way? And just asking those questions that you'd never think to ask yourself because you don't have the context to ask them. Yeah. Um, and that first year, literally anytime I was about to speak somewhere, we would, we would FaceTime and uh, he would just talk me through it. He's like, you know, have you ever thought about telling the story this way? Or, you know, you, that story is interesting, but it, you, you know, you're the hero of it, and that's boring. <laughs> so <laughs> change it. Um, and so he, uh, you know, he was he was absolutely critical that first year, not only with content, but within the complexity of the speaking world, and he's setting me up with some of the, the the business side of things and how to answer certain questions. And um, yeah, man, a, a good mentor is the, the most valuable thing that you could have in your life, probably. And he's still uh, a great friend and. Um, someone who's, whose opinion I, I go to regularly. Um, and it's cool because at this point, it's, it's, uh, it's mutual, right? He comes to me yeah. when he has questions because I've done things that he would have never thought of doing because I'm young and spry. <laughs> he's, he's old and gray. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, you, I mean, you hit on a couple of things there that I, I couldn't agree more with. And it's uh, not only asking the right questions, but being able to accept the answers. I think that's something that a lot of people don't do. And then Something that uh, that you touched on that I'm a, a full believer in is, you know, one of the quotes that I live by is, is if if I'm the smartest person in the room, I'm in the wrong room. You know, I want to be the person who is at the lowest level because I'm going to rise to that that level that the room is and learn as much as humanly possible. So, all fantastic points. And you know, so you get this mentor, you're you you want to do the speaking thing. You know, tell tell us about your first speaking gig. What was that like? Was it to a school? Uh, just tell us, kind of give us context of that story. Oh, um, yeah. The, the, the joys <laughs> of looking back yeah. and seeing where you started. Um, yeah, I, I would say the first real uh, – I did that work for a year where I was like kind of t- traveling around and working with different high school groups. And that was mostly sort of like hands-on small group facilitation um, my first all school assembly was uh, w- was thanks to my another close friend and, and hero and mentor of mine named John Norlin. Um, he was a, a ten year teacher at a, a high school in Sumner, Washington, and uh, just recently got offered a position of director of character, basically across his school district because of the incredible work he's done setting up programs there. It's an awesome time. Um, yeah, pretty cool. And he, and so um, at the time, I, you know, some friends and I had gotten together, um, and uh, through with with the company that I was working with at the time, uh, um, we we filmed this short video called Perspectacles. And the whole idea was that, um, you know, what what would it look like to see the world through empathy? And uh, if if you were have these glasses that um, allowed you to see into people's lives and their stories, you know how differently would you treat them? Basically, was the premise of it. So we filmed this cool little short film, and um, my friend John, you know, watched it. Was like, oh, we want to use this for our Martin Luther King Jr. Assembly to talk about empathy and compassion. And he's like, do you mind if we use it? And I was like, yeah, that that'll be great. He goes like, like, do you want to come and like maybe like introduce it or talk about it? I was like, yeah, that's sure. He's like, well, do you want to talk about it in front of our whole school for like twenty five minutes? I was like. Yeah, <laughs> sure. He's like, great. We'll pay you. I was like, what? Really? <laughs> but, you know, it's one of those things, one of those really cool things where you normally do it for free, and then yeah. all of a sudden, someone someone reminds you that that you have value in ways yeah. that maybe you didn't see yourself. Um, and so I got this this cool opportunity, and man, it was um, it was brutal. I, I woke up. <laughs> 
it really it, it wasn't it wasn't that bad, but it was just uh, it's just like anything else in life. You you learn pretty quickly when you when you watch the film back, <laughs> and you. Um, I, I got up and I showed this video, and I and I talked about um, I talked about how a lot of us have great intentions, but not all of us live with great action. And I talked about having high expectations of um, of how we look at other people in the world. And um, I used some really terrible examples, and I had this weird uh, this weird um, tick where I would anytime I finished a sentence because I was so unsure of myself, I would always end with right, <laughs> right. Like I would like I was begging the audience to tell me like please like this is right right yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, you guys you guys agree with me right <laughs> and uh, it's one of those things that I've since sort of grown out of but um, but it's kind of a it's kind of a fun place to look back on and realize like that's kind of where you have to start is you have to you have to be willing to put yourself out there in a situation that's that begs the question like guys am I doing this right is you know does does anyone agree with this <laughs> and you find sometimes that um no one's going to answer you with, yeah. right because they're in the audience like is this guy ask, actually asking me yeah <laughs> so no one responds and you just sort of have to um you know push forward with what you care about and what you believe in and what you've researched and what you you know to be true um and I, I've stopped asking right quite so much. <laughs> and it's funny you bring that up because when I first started doing the podcasting thing, um, you know, I thought I was doing a, a decent job. And then I, I listened back and, and I <laughs> noticed things that I didn't realize I was doing. I was like, man, do I really sound like that? And it's just funny. And it, I think it's it's awesome to to grow in that way and then look back and have some perspective on, you know, how much you've grown. I think it's incredible. And I mean, now you are, I mean, I'm, I'm on your website now and I mean, you've, you've spoken at your, according to your website, 245 schools, 52 events, 300,000 plus students and staff. And that video you mentioned, Perspectacles, which I watched before the interview, it's fantastic. <laughs> Viewed over a hundred thousand times. I mean, you're, you're doing something right, obviously on a very big level. And so congratulations for that. And so you do this first talk and, and, you know, how soon afterwards do you get a call or, or get your second, second gig booked? Um, yeah, it's one of those funny things that there's a lot of people in the industry who are a lot better at this than me in terms of, um, you know, having a, having leads and doing direct marketing and mailing and stuff like that. And I found, um, that I've, it's been, it's been great in the sense that it's been a lot of word of mouth and, um, you know, I always fall back on Conan O'Brien and his final show, work hard and be kind and amazing things will happen. And, you know, that's kind of my, that's kind of my, my platform is I, I do, I work really hard. I'm, I'm all over the place and I'm always developing new content, new material, always thinking about new ideas on ways to improve schools and, and, and how, how students and young people interact with this idea of character or compassion. Um, and I just try to be really nice to people. <laughs> it doesn't seem that complicated, but along the way, it, I've had really good success with people just being willing to recommend me. And so, um, you know, if it's any context, that first year was about 13 schools or events. Awesome. Uh, then the next year was 35. Next year was 77, 110. And the last year was 135. Wow. So, um, and that's, you know, I've never really put a formal advertisement out anywhere. It's just been sort of a matter of, um, just being intentional on building relationships with people and I, I don't know, being human about the whole thing. Yeah. And I, and I mean, that's probably the best possible way to go about it because 
the recommendations you're getting and the schools you're going to talk to. I mean, these people all trust and believe in you. They, they've either heard from someone or heard directly from you, you know, how great you're doing. You're not just putting something out there and someone just so happens to pick it up out of the sky and, and give you a call. Right. And, and that, and that's incredible. And, um, you know, so you, you talk about fear. Uh, you know, what are some of the things that you highlight to these students about fear? Because let's be honest, I mean, I still deal deal with with fear issues, and and people outside of school still deal deal with fear on on you know big or small basis in in their everyday lives. So, what are some of the things that that you highlight in these these talks that you give to students about fear and and what to do to kind of combat that? Yeah, well, the you know fear is a it's a funny little thing. Um, <laughs> It's, it's one of those things that, like, honestly, especially young people, we don't spend a lot of time, most people, we don't spend a lot of time talking about it because it's one of those things that we, um, either we feel insecure about it um, or we feel like we're the only ones who yeah. live with it or deal with it. And it's one of those, those private things that, that should be talked about more public just because of the reality that it's one of those things that we all have in common, right? It's something that yeah. we all share. Um, and what I talk about with fear in particular is that it's, what's frustrating about it is we have very little control over it. It's such an instinctual human piece of our DNA that fear is, is built into us. It's a protection mechanism. Um, and a lot of that stuff is pretty legit, right? We, there's, there's a lot of reasons why we, fear is important to, to keep us safe. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but then there's also things where our brains just don't get it, like where it starts to confuse what's real and what's not. Um, and, and, and sometimes it really paralyzes us and sometimes it, it really pushes us in weird directions and makes us do things that we wish we didn't do. Um, <laughs> and so that's one of the things I highlight, right, is that we have very little control over it. We have very little control over when or how or why we feel afraid. But the, the simplest way to understand fear is, you know, none of us have lived a perfect life. And so along the way, at some point, we've been hurt or we've been challenged or we've been rejected or we failed. Like something has happened to us or we've been made to feel something that was unpleasant. Um, and fear is, is pretty simple when you think about it that way. It's just like, okay, I know what it feels like to feel hurt or pushed aside or betrayed or like a failure. And fear is just, well, I don't want to feel that way again. So I'm going to do, sometimes I'm going to shrink or pull back or, you know, reduce my own capacity for whatever it is because um, that is safer than the risk of feeling that same hurt again. Um, but, and that's where I get to dive into it with kids. It's like, well, let's talk about some of the, the dumb things that fear makes us do then. If we, let, if we just live our lives scared, if we allow fear to control our, our actions, like what, is that, what does that cause us to do? And I tell a lot of stories. Among them, you know, the first time I wanted to hold a girl's hand and that didn't go according to plan. And, <laughs> um, you know, and, and fear is one of those things that has a huge range. It can make us do really silly things like you know, think that there's a, a shark when we're swimming in a lake. And it can make us do really profound things like, you know, prevent us from, from, from compassion <laughs> for, or yeah. it could hold us back from connecting with people and, um, it can hold us back from, from, it can make us be very practical and forget what we're passionate about. Um, so, and there's that whole range in between and, uh, it's such an ugly thing that, um, that we don't spend a lot of time talking about. Uh, and if we don't spend any time talking about it, how do we how do we get better at it, right? How do we improve? Because that's a, there's a pretty because of that huge range. It's like well, we got to start somewhere, right? We got to start thinking about empathy and kindness and compassion on really small scales, so that we can work towards those those bigger, sometimes idealistic ideas of, you know, world peace or or 
basic human dignity and compassion for everyone. Like those are big ideas, right? And I get that. But um, but I guess my point is if, if we don't start talking about fear on a very, very small level, we start, start practicing being courageous in really small encounters, really small moments, then then we're never going to get anywhere close to some of those bigger things. And, uh, you know, we need to. We, we have to. We must. If we're going to move forward as a, as a human race, then, then that's one of the things that we have to intentionally, consistently practice is being a little bit more courageous and a little bit more compassionate. Yeah, man, uh, I, I could not have said it better myself. It's fantastic. And, and you're, you're so right. I mean, it's we have to start somewhere. And so I think the, where you're doing it at is probably the best possible place to have your hand in that area because kids, you know, middle school, high school, even college level are so malleable. And, you know, when these things aren't talked about, they just kind of continue on not talking about them. And I wish I had heard something like that when I was in school because you're right. It's like, it's just for some reason, it's unhuman to discuss these things with other people, even though it's part of the human condition that everyone's <laughs> going through this. And if we would just open up a little bit, we might be able to find some common ground. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that's, and that's what empathy is, right? But we're so, we're, we're so scared that we're alone in it, that we're not willing to be vulnerable and discover that, which is, uh, yeah, we're weird. You know, people are weird. <laughs> people are very weird. I agree. Yes. But we're, uh, yeah, that's, uh, I have fun starting where I'm starting, but, but I also believe that um, it's just one place. It's just one place to do it, right? And we all have different places where we get to 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 speak from, and and different platforms from which we we speak. And you know, young people are a great place. But uh, I, I just posted yesterday about some of these problems of Martin Luther King Jr. You know, yeah. in celebration of him, I, I posted this post about improving some of these big problems in the world. And this like middle school girl posted and was like, you know, these are a lot of big problems, and I don't really know how I'm going to solve them, but I'll try. <laughs> and I and I love that because it's like yeah exactly yeah we have that that's what you do is you try from where you're at with what you got and um it, it's so much easier not to oh man it it really is so much easier just to do nothing and yeah, yeah. something that I I heard uh, I was watching a talk actually the day before Martin Luther King Day but in context with that and they talked about how. You know, even though um, you may not yourself have like be racist or, or, you know, have racial problems, if you're just sitting by on the side, not doing anything about it, you're not helping the cause. And I think you're right. And that's one of the things that we talk about with the Yield Mastermind group a lot is working from where you are, because as young people, you know, we aren't the CEOs, we aren't at the highest possible levels where we have the most reach with our communication, but you have to start with where you are and for some reason, people feel that when they, they don't have a position of power or they're just a, a little middle school girl, it's tough to put themselves out there because they're like, what platform do I have or what you know backing does my, does my communication have? But in reality, it's, that's what it takes and this, this trickle snowball effect that's really going to push everything forward and I'm sure you're well aware of that. Yeah, my, my friend John says a waterfall starts with one drop and you got to be, you know, it's... It, 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 <laughs> Humans are sometimes very illogical, but it makes total sense that oh. uh, I don't walk into the gym and lift 300 pounds, right? I don't. Very few people walk in and are just like suddenly CEOs. That's not the way that. And in the same sense, I don't show up, and I'm not inherently good at kindness. I'm not inherently good at respect or empathy. In fact, by default, I'm pretty bad at it. But if I want to get better, I start with a five-pound weight, and I move to that 10-pound weight. And the only reason why there are people in the world who who are brilliantly kind or compassionate or, or incredibly, you know, 
world changing in their areas is because they, they, they gave a compliment to start or that they, they sat down and, and read a book or they, they put in the hours that other people weren't willing to put in. It's, you know, it's nothing, nothing fancy, but just because it's simple doesn't make it easy. Yeah, I was just about to say it's, it, it can be simple but not easy, and that's something that I think people have a hard time understanding. But that's actually a great segue into um, this project that you're doing now, this Character Strong app. And mm. uh, I looked into the app, downloaded it, and it's you know the idea of lifting weights. You have to start with five pound, and it's a great analogy. And that's something that you use in the app. If you could just explain what your app is, how it came about, and what you're looking to do with it. Yeah, sure. Uh, Character Strong. So you know, I. I I'll speak in 100 and almost 150 schools this year. And uh, the, the universal frustration, I think, with speakers is you know, we show up and we provide – the service we provide is oftentimes like, okay, tell a story that's going to in some way you know, move us or inspire us or empower us. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and a good keynote should do that. But at, at the end of the day, if that's all I do, then I, I've had to come to terms with the fact that a school culture is inevitably going to reset back to its baseline within three days because, <laughs> because feelings change, right? And they're going to feel good and after I'm done speaking because I've just told some feel-good stories. And, those, and then they're going to act good because they're feeling good. But then eventually they're going to stop feeling so good and it's going to go right back to normal. Yeah. So um, you know, the caution I, I provide with, with school and especially when I get a chance to work with smaller groups is like uh, if we only treat love or compassion as a, as a feeling – we're not going to be very good at it. But that's by and large the way that most people, not just young people, all people consider love yeah. like, is, is feelings-based. Um, but even with my wife, there are moments where we look at each other and say, I'm choosing to love you right now. <laughs> because well, you know, even with the people closest to us, sometimes we don't feel like being kind or patient or, or thoughtful with them, let alone if I go to a school with 2,000 kids, you can imagine I show up every single day and uh, you know, people are different than me, and they're yeah. and sometimes they're challenging, and they they come from different backgrounds, and they have different viewpoints, and um, and I think a lot of schools uh, unintentionally, but they they expect kids to react with kindness or respect, but it's so hard to react with those skills, which is what they are skills. It's mm-hmm. so hard to react with skills when when you don't uh, when you haven't been proactive with those skills first. You know what I mean? It's like it's like sending a guy. Like a guy's running at you, charging you about to tackle you, and right before you're about to get tackled, the person's like, "Okay, um, now figure out football." <laughs> Which it, with a, a lot, is often what happens with these kids. A lot of these kids have no context as to what like real, unconditional kindness or compassion looks like because it's really hard. And if you don't have role models at home, and if you haven't practiced before in other ways. You can imagine we get some of the cultures that we have in schools now. And I've never been to a perfect school, but I've been to a lot of great schools where, they, where they're intentional about um, practice. And yeah. so that's where Character Strong comes in. right? I, I work with a group of young people every summer. We get kids together from all over who have seen me speak or just believe in the message. And we sit down and we, we, just, we, we, literally, we talk. We say, well, what do kids need? How do we make this stuff better? How do we make this more accessible? And a couple of years ago, a group of kids said, you know, we love the message but what do we do with it every day? We're like, we need a, we need a workout program for our character. <laughs> like that's how they put it. And we're like, okay, let's build it. So these kids wow. got together and we, we brainstormed and it's, and it's surprisingly hard to come up with proactive, practical, hands-on ways to get better at these things like kindness or respect or honesty or humility, all the things that we as a culture are like, yeah, those are nice things. But then it's yeah. like, well, how do you actually do them? Yeah. You know, how do you improve at them? And it's like, 
even when you ask parents or teachers to sit down and, and list out ways to practice, it's, it's hard. So it took us a long time to get this, this whole group of ideas together. And then we, we curated them. We ran them by some really smart people. And we, we, we set them up in a way that is um, consistent with effective habit development, right? So um, all habits start the same way. And most habits, they say, take you know, 23, 24 days to mm-hmm. actually put into everyday practice. And the idea of a habit is, well, how do I make this part of my everyday life? Mm-hmm. So we take one month at a time and we focus on these different elements of what I consider to be your character or, or, or what love looks like in action, right? Kindness, patience, forgiveness, humility, honesty, respect, selflessness. Great words. Now, how do you put legs to them? Yep. So every single day, the idea is, you know, if love or character was a gym, like this is your workout equipment. Now, what does it look like today? And so um, Character Strong is very simply a workout program for your heart, <laughs> for, your, for, for your capacity to um, be a good, thoughtful, caring person. Um, you know, and I give a lot of examples to the kids. I always say there's, I know so many people who are brilliant and thoughtful and kind, and none of them were born that way. You know what I mean? They yeah. were, all of them, all of them who I know who are really good at it, have spent a lot of time practicing. And they practice particularly when they don't feel like it. Mm. And that's how we build habits, yep. by showing up and putting in consistent, intentional work. Um, proactive, not reactive, proactive acts of kindness, proactive ways to engage in respect. Um, and so the whole idea behind it is, you know, let's not just teach young people how to be competent. Let's, let's teach them to have character as well. And, not, and don't just tell them the words that they're supposed to, to know about, but, but give them actual ways to show up to the gym and get better at them. You know, the example I always, always use is if you don't have a food drive at your school, how many kids go out of their way to donate to the food bank? Yeah. Not many, like, right, you have, no. to, you have to, but as soon as you put practical ways, opportunities in front of kids, they're more likely to engage in those activities. I think kids, all kids want to be good. They just don't always know what good looks like. And so Character Strong is putting a way to be good in front of them every single day to build habits of goodness in their life. Wow. Uh, yeah, that is that is incredible. I mean, and from the, the brief time that I spent on the app, it's, I mean, it, it makes total sense. And like you, like you've hit on multiple times in this interview, it's like, you don't go in the gym and lift 300 pounds. And, uh, you know, you don't just say, oh, I'm going to be loving today. And all of a sudden you're loving to every single person you see, you have to put action behind it. And it takes time. It takes practice. You have to build it up. And I think you hit on it perfectly. You have to make it available. You have to put it in front of people or else there's, there's so much less likely to want to take that on. And also, I think you hit on a great point when you say that, you know, it's sometimes it's tough because we don't know, we haven't had role models or, or we don't know what love looks like or what compassion looks like because we haven't seen it in the household or around us with, within our friend group. And so just giving someone a basis to understand, okay, this is what this is. And here's how you can go about practicing or, or doing it in that way. I think that is an awesome, awesome thing. Wow. I'm, uh, I'm loving it. So what for the last question before we get into the rapid fire portion here, uh, what is the next one big thing you're up to right now? And it could be something we've already talked about, but what are you most excited about? What's, what's that one thing that, that you've been putting the most effort towards? Yeah. Um, I, uh, as of the beginning of this year, I, I brought on a friend, um, full time to help me, um, which I'm really excited about. Not only, um, to help free me up a little bit creatively because it's been just sometimes um, it's so much like forward momentum that I haven't had a chance to sit down and think about questions like what you're asking. Yeah. Um, so that, you know, part of that is just making space creatively for myself. 
but um, part two of that is is again, you know, my ultimate goal is to to create tools um, that are relevant and thoughtful and engaging to help young people um, understand and put into practice compassion, empathy, and kindness. It's it's not that complicated, but there's there's a surprising lack of resources and tools out there um, that engage young people in that conversation or in that practice. So uh, the goal over this next year would be to, um, to to grow the organization. You know, we think about it as the, the choose love movement. That's sort of the core of my message is, is that love sometimes gets misconstrued as a feeling when a lot of times when you want to get better at it, it's a choice. And, I, uh, and that's sort of my, you know, in a, in a nugget form, Fear is a feeling, love is a choice. Um, it is. And we can't control the way that we feel, but we can control the way that we act. We can control kindness. We can control our, our, our capacity for love. Um, and so this year, we're going to create um, a bunch of, of, of ways that young people can engage in that conversation, um, not just with people in their school, but with people across the country, and uh, to create sort of a, um, a space where I can continue to have that conversation with young people. So, um, you know, I've always loved the idea of like those, those monthly, you know, uh, subscription services that they have. Like I get one for my wife and I, it's called date box where they send you a way to like date your, you know, a a creative way to date your wife, which again, it's like, of course I want to date my wife, but unless someone puts an opportunity in front of me, I'm going to be less good at it because I I don't have all the ideas. Exactly. Um, and so for me, you know, one of the things we're working on is, is basically creating a, a space for young people to, to get together, for me to engage with them, you know, through webinars or through conversations like this, and to create a repository of, of ideas that young people are generating, of things that I've seen in the work that I've done across nearly 400 schools across the country. Um, so to, just to create a space where this conversation can keep living and growing and and not just keeping it with young people, but as those young people become college people and those college people become the next generation of, of thoughtful, passionate CEOs or, or workers, whatever they are, um, to keep this conversation alive well beyond just the high school framework. Man, that, that is fantastic work. Keep it up. We, we, more and more, I feel like today, we need people like you because these conversations, I feel like, you know, with all the distractions that people have nowadays, these conversations are just put on like the back of the back of the back burners. And it's like, nobody wants to have these conversations. Let's just shove some, uh, some technology and, and, you know, a kid's face or whatever, or even, you know, adults faces. And they just sit there and zone out and don't have the capacity to think. So that is awesome. Please keep us updated with that. And, uh, with that, let's get right into this rapid fire section here. So when you think of success, who is the first person that comes to mind and why? Um, I would say, and it's been my answer for a long time. It's my friend, um, my friend, John Norlin. He, uh, you know, I still have a message from him way back when I first met him. He was a, he was a a counselor at a a camp and, uh, you know, I had shared with him something I was doing in high school to promote kindness. And he sent me basically uh, unsolicited, sent me this like hugely encouraging email. And then he was the first person that that gave me the opportunity to come speak at his school. And he's just one of those people who has a gift of, of seeing potential and seeing good in people and not only seeing it, but, but acting on it. Um, and so, and his success is, is so evident in, in his community and in his school and his culture that he's built there. You know, he, he took it from a program where it was just, you know, maybe one class a day of student leaders. And now they have 
I think it's, it's over six, six or seven classes per school day of full-time leadership curriculum, meaning there's 250 kids every single day who are talking about this stuff. And his whole platform isn't about, you know, look at me, I'm in this position, but it's about service. It's about sacrifice. It's about building influence through tangible, real, everyday love. Um, and he did a beautiful job with it at his school. Um, he's always been one of my role models and supporters. And, um, and, it, and, it's, and it's evidence still in that the district created a position for him to take it just out of the school and bring it across the entire district. Um, so I, I don't know. I don't know what success looks like in a lot of people's world. But um, to me, success looks like someone who, who consistently walks, the, walks their talk. <laughs> And I can't think of anyone who does that more successfully than than John. Man, if if only every single school had the ability, or not even had the ability, create the ability, make the ability to have 250 students learning about this stuff happen, I think the world we'd be living in would be totally different. And anybody who can get the job title as director of character, I think you said, that's <laughs> definitely a guy who who is successful in my book. That's awesome. Hey, so yeah. uh, better have the character to match the title. Well, and he, yes, and he does. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say it sure sounds like he does. That's incredible. So, yeah. Houston, what one book would you recommend, or what one book do you gift the most? That's a. I would say um, I'm gonna break the rules here. I got two. <laughs> one, one would be uh, the Servant by James Hunter. Hmm. Um, great, simple read about leadership um, and how how it's based in in service. Um, and the second one would be uh, a book called Birthday Suit by my friend, my friend Tyler. And he's the guy that um, was one of my, you know, my initial mentor and, and still my mentor and friend. Um, and it's, and it, he's just an incredible storyteller. And he's got so many simple truths that, that uh, he's so good at that. Like he'll, write a, he'll, tell, he'll be telling a story and then he has just this one line that's like you know, truth nugget. And you're like, ah, oh, that's yeah. so good. And, uh, and, you know, and oftentimes the simple things are the most profound, but when, when put the right way and Tyler puts it a lot the right way, um, it can change the way you think. And, uh, so birthday suit and, um, the servant would be the top two. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So I'll, everybody listening, of course, I'll link to all this in the show notes so you can get access to all the stuff that Houston is recommending. All right. So Houston, what one podcast or maybe it's an online resource like a YouTube channel uh, do you recommend to people? Mm, yeah, well, I've been, I love soul pancake. Oh man, that's, that's great. <laughs> yeah. That's my, in terms of I, I podcasts, I listen to a lot of this American life, um, mm. because they're just beautiful storytellers, but, um, but soul pancake, uh, has the resources and some incredibly creative minds that really do a great job of showing what what practical kindness looks like in the world. And they do it in a really interesting way that, um, that creates positive drama, which is something that I think the world needs more of, right? We spend a lot of time looking at a lot of negative stuff and soul pancake, you know, alongside people like kid president. Yeah, um, I was just going to say kid president's awesome video. Yeah. And right. He's not saying anything that's like, that's overly complicated, but he, <laughs> he does it in such a, a simple and beautiful and honest, authentic way. And uh, so that'd be my, my recommendation. Watch soul pancake videos when you're feeling like the world is in a happy place and uh, you'll be reminded there's still a lot of good out there. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Fantastic. So Houston, if you had to pick one part of your daily routine to do for the rest of your life, if you couldn't do any other parts, what would that one part be and why? Man, 
you know, mm. <laughs> <laughs> see, there, there, there's a, a personal and a professional one here. Um, so I'm going to give you both or else I get in trouble because Fantastic. Hey, that's... I, got, I would have to tell you that I love to bring coffee to my wife in the morning. Mm. It's part of my personal routine. Um, and there is, is, is a good way to start the day when you bring someone else as much joy as a cup of coffee can. Um, which can be quite a bit, <laughs> quite a bit. Yes. Depending on the day. Yeah. Especially mm. yeah, there's some times where it's been absolutely, um, revolutionary tour. <laughs> so. And I mean, and, and it, it goes back to the principle you've been touching on throughout this, this whole show It's it's simple, but not easy. It is so mm-hmm. simple to bring someone you care so much about a cup of coffee, Yeah. but how many people actually go out of their way to do such a simple act like that on a daily basis? Not that many. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, uh, it, it helps when she, she asks for it. <laughs> <laughs> When she's yes. desperate, I'm reminded. Yeah, yeah, there <laughs> uh, you go. <laughs> and then uh, the part two would be um, I try to give someone a genuine compliment every day. Um, and I talk, you know, I do it oftentimes on my own or I do it in the context of a workshop that I'm, uh, that I'm leading. Um, but, man, it is such a good practice to take five minutes a day and to see, to see real to take the time to look and find goodness in another person. It's a, it's a worthwhile endeavor. And, um, and sometimes you feel like it's more worthwhile to give it to them. But the reality is, you know, my favorite graduation speech is a, it's called you are not special. And at the end of the speech, the guy says, I hope at some point, he's speaking to high school students. He says, I hope at some point you realize the great irony of the human existence, which is that selflessness is sometimes the best thing we can do for ourselves, and uh, yeah, that's that's where the good stuff is 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 given given good away. Yeah, and man, that is that is so spot on. And as you know, and as I know, and people who people who make it a practice to give on a regular basis, I mean, you get so much more back when you give it away. It's it's incredible the amount that that giving to somebody else, giving of your time, resources, whatever it is. It just, man, it, it brings it back to you tenfold. I, I love that right there. So we're going to switch gears a little bit. What is your favorite movie? Princess Bride. Princess Bride. Without hesitation. It's the perfect blend of romance, comedy, adventure, thriller. It's a brilliant movie. Awesome. First time <laughs> I've heard it. First time I've heard it. I'll have to, I'll have to re- revisit that movie. It's been a while. Oh, man. It's marriage. Love. True love is what brings us together <laughs> today. It is... Uh, it is, man. You got watch it right. Go watch it right now. That's I will do that do. after will, this. Will, Whenever I will I'm take sick, that request, <laughs> I lay down and I watch Princess Bride, and my life is better. There you go. You guys heard it straight from Houston. All right. So, <laughs> Houston, if you had to bring on another partner into your business, and it had to be a professional athlete of some sort, who would it be, and why? Professional athlete, and that, of and that can be doesn't have to be NBA, <laughs> NFL. It could be professional in any sense of the word. Yeah. Um, as a great, I, you know, I played, I was on the varsity ultimate Frisbee team in college and I, um, I'm a really good laser tag player. So, you know, (laughs) my best friend will tell you that sports is not my forte. Um, but I, I don't know. I would say, well, let's say, uh, what, what, what qualities or, you know, sports, um, 
qualities would you want to have in a partner in your business? We'll we'll switch it that way. Yeah, and and this is going to sound redundant, but it's it's so true. I I I care so much more about character than I do about your your ability to be competent on the field. Um, and it drives me, it, it, it brightens my day when I see athletes who, um, who get it right. And use their platform for, for good, for good work. You know, I'm from Seattle. I'm a Seahawks fan. And I think, uh, there's a lot of guys on that team who, um, I, I got a, a lot of respect for in terms of the way that they approach their, their responsibility of the position of influence that they're in. Um, you know, Russell Wilson among them, the dude is just, he's just solid. He's, yeah. he's, he doesn't get, uh, jealous or angry or resentful. I mean, he doesn't, he doesn't cut into other people or, or tear other people down. He's just, he's constantly just like, you know, this is whatever happened today. There are things that I can do to be better. And, I love uh, it. yeah, Wilson's a, he's a good dude, but the, you yeah, know, there, there, there's a lot of athletes out there that, that take that responsibility seriously and, and do, do positive stuff with, with their, their, their amazing abilities. So those yeah, are the people that I hang out with. I think, I think you made a great point there. It's, it is such a responsibility to be a professional athlete. And some of these guys, you know, they go off on these tangents that we hear about that are just totally negative. You know, they're like, Oh, well, I didn't ask to be in this position or, you know, that's not my job to be a role model. Well, actually, I mean, you are being put on this platform for millions of people to, to look at you and look to you. And a lot of young people do. So it really is a responsibility and you have to, you have to live up to it. And so I totally agree with you. You gotta, it's, it's all about living up to your responsibility. And I think, I think Russell Wilson, and there's countless number of athletes that do that, but I I think you're spot on with that. So, (laughs) all right, Houston, we have reached the end of the interview here. Where can people find out more about you and what you're up to? Um, you, you can find me. Um, if, if you ask any middle schooler near you, they will, <laughs> they will tell you how to find me. Um, no, I, I'm on uh, all the social medias. Um, my name is Houston like the city, craft like the cheese. Totally unrelated, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> But uh, yeah, you can find me uh, on my website, which is just HoustonCraft.com, um, or you can find out more about Character Strong, CharacterStrong.com. Um, but yeah, just said, I would, I'd love to hear from anyone, anyone who's interested in doing similar work. We're just trying to, um, you know, the more people who, who believe in this stuff and care about it and are smart, let's get together and do something important because the world, uh, the world needs work. And uh, so let's, let's, go, let's go to it. Yeah, and so for those of you out there listening, that that is your call to action right there. If you're someone who wants to make change. Open invitation. Let's, there it is. You heard yeah. it directly from Houston. Got to reach out to him and let's let's put together a dream team and make something happen. I'm I'm in if if that ever happens. Uh Houston, so we always end the show with our guests sharing their favorite quote and you you sh- you've shared a lot of great ones today, but what what is your favorite quote? Favorite quote. Um man, there's there's a huge range of them. I would say that uh, the one that that the one that changed my way of thinking my junior year of high school was Maya Angelou. People never remember what you do. People never remember what you say, but people always remember you. Always remember the way you make them feel. Mm. I remember sitting in the audience hearing that and thinking to myself, "I want to make people feel important." There you guys have it, Houston. Thank you so much. This has been an incredible show. We appreciate you coming on. Thank you, sir. It's, it's great to uh, – this is fun. Let's do it again sometime. It is fun. Yeah. Hey, I, I, I will be glad to have you back. And if you're ever in the Chicago area, 
hit me up and we, we got we to gotta catch up in person. Deal. Awesome. All right, guys. So if you're looking for more information about the Yield Mastermind group, please check out yieldmastermind.com. You can find us on all the social media sites at Yield Mastermind. And then, of course, iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. And with that, we will see you guys next week.